Well, I definitely say, and again, but like that, that like experience of like leaving like at 16 and going to this school and like going completely out of your comfort zone, just like it changed my life like a hundred percent. Welcome to McDonough Talks. I am your host, Mike Silverman. Here on McDonough Talks, we are building community through storytelling. In our first season, we'll be featuring fellow colleagues and illuminating some truly remarkable people that we may not know anything about. One would think that in business school, the numbers are so small and everyone knows one another, but that's not the case. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Today, we celebrate Women's Month, and I am joined by one of my cohort mates in Saxa cohort, Marcella Colmenares. Welcome to the show, and congrats on being the first ever guest. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. How was... <laughs> How was my pronunciation of your name in, in what I tried to be as oh, Spanish was, as I could? Oh, it was great. I mean, I, I'm not very picky. I know I, maybe I should be. I don't know. I feel like, but I I think it was great. It was actually really good. I've heard every Thank kind of you. pronunciation. It was great. <laughs> What's the worst you've heard? I think, so I lived in, like, I lived sometime in France and in Italy. And the, in France, people used to call me Marcel. Like Marcel, and then in in Italy that's Marcella, and like blah, and I'd be like, no, it's Marcella, and they're like Marcella. <laughs> I'm like, no. Very, so like just, that's very like, Italian. They made up their mind that it was gonna be it, and I was like, okay, fine, that's it. Okay. I can't wait to dive in and share your story. Where are you from, Marcella? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so I am well, as you know, Marcella or Marcella or Marcel, and I'm from Venezuela <laughs> originally. Um, I was born in a city in the Andes, in the mountain part of the country, but I lived in, in different parts of the country as I grew up. So I, I like to say that I'm actually from like the whole country. <laughs> I like it. So you, you, you started off being born in a mountain town, small mm -hmm. remote town, moved all over, and then you eventually got to Caracas, right? Yeah. Yeah. We made our way to the cap capital. <laughs> and growing up what was your family like parents brother sister did you come from a big family small family yeah so my family it's very big like my my general family my uncles my aunts my great uncles and aunts and their children and we're very close but my my immediate family for most of the time like i'm the only daughter of my mother and my father but then they after they separated they each had their own new families and so I have, just to not complicate it too much, I have, it's, I have two uh, half sisters that are younger than me and I have two stepsisters. Um, so, you know, I, I consider all of them my sisters, but we grew up in different houses. Did you like being a single child or did you always wish you had a brother or sister? Well, so I, I, I had a, my first sister that actually lived with me, uh, or you know, half sister. She came to my life when I was 10. She was born when I was 10. So before that, I actually really loved being a single child because I also had, I lived in a neighborhood with a lot of kids. So we used to play all the time outside. Like I never felt lonely, but I also loved playing by myself. So I could be like left in a room with like my toys and just like play on my own. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was good just because I was surrounded by kids when I grew up. When you had to move around a lot as a kid, that must have been mm -hmm. tough too. Like making, I'm sure you had to make new friends in each city, and 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 yeah. that that probably got to be a drag after a while, right? Yeah, I mean, yes, I guess I think yes. Part of me th thinks it was, but I I don't remember. So my actually, 
I have good memories of all the friends I made in all these cities, right? And I have and many of them I still keep in touch. Some of them have moved even to the U.S. and I've seen them. But my mom has told me actually that that I used to cry a lot, like the first six months or something that I used to come home crying and feeling like, you know, that I didn't have friends. And like, you know, when, when we moved to a new city or when I went to a new school, but I blocked that off my memory. So I don't even remember that happening, but apparently that happened for a long time, even until I was like 12 and I had to change schools in Caracas because she made me change schools. I apparently would get home like crying because of, I felt like kids didn't like me and like blah, 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 blah. But I, it's crazy because I think like my memory blocked it. Maybe one day I'll like hypnotize myself and like bring those memories out or something. But anyways, I have good me- I have good memories, but it seems like I don't have the full memory. Gotcha. <laughs> well, um, and then and then so you were in Caracas from what age to what age? So I think it was between like ten and sixteen, but there was a hiccup when I was like twelve, I think, or something. I, again, I have to like. Re- remember the exact years but we left to the Andes to like a city that was like eight hours from Caracas by car we left and lived there for like a year and a half and then we came back to Caracas so like overall I was like from 10 to like 16 in Caracas with that like little hiccup of like one year and a half or two years so mm-hmm. your your parents split up when you were young you said and yeah. you moved around a lot like mm-hmm. did they move together or were you just with your mom or no. did you get to see your dad yeah, no, I was with my mom. I got to see, yeah, so my dad, I'm very, very, very close to my dad's family, like my, my grandfathers and, and aunts and uncle from that side of the family. And I was close to my dad, but he he moved to another. He, so when they separated, he moved to a city called Valencia, which is two hours from Caracas, actually. And he stayed there forever until he passed, like he lived in that place. And then, so I moved with my mom and she got remarried or like she met, uh her second husband when I was like eight years old or something and then they married and so ever since it was with him but before it was only with my mom yeah does your mom live in Caracas she she lives in Caracas yeah do you ever get back to visit and see them or or what what's what's the status there yeah so I have not gone back to visit them since 2013 actually so when, when I graduated from college I worked with the Venezuelan opposition for a few years and it became like it was a time that was very tumultuous for the Venezuelan opposition and you know we got mentioned in like the tv by like the vice president who is an evil person in my opinion of the country and so our lawyers in that time they said that we should not go to Venezuela and then I transitioned from that job into the Inter-American Development Bank and their lawyers also said that I should probably not go back to Venezuela for a few years and so I could go back to Venezuela now. I don't think anything would happen to me. But it's like as time passes by, like it, I've built so much in the U.S. and abroad that I feel like, man, if I go back and they take my passport and like ask me to stay there or like put me in jail or something like that would be so stupid. <laughs> so I'm like, it's probably not going to happen. But because there is like a tiny, teeny possibility that it could something like that could happen, I like I'm too afraid. So I, that's why I don't I don't go back. But but I bring my mom to visit and I brought my sisters as well. Like I try to bring them like once a year when possible, if not like every two years. So like they also get a break from Venezuela. 
know? <laughs> that was going to be my follow-up is if you can't go back, have you gotten to see your family at least? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when was the last time you got to see them? So, oh, so my mom came two years ago, actually. And funnily enough, like, I mean, I don't know if it's too personal, but she met my boyfriend, my current boyfriend. And we had just started dating, like, a month before and I was like man this is like too soon but uh, my mom is coming <laughs> I mean if she's gonna be here for a month and it's like awkward if I don't introduce her to this guy right um but we're still dating and he's great so I'm glad he met her like two years ago but yeah that, that was the last funny. time yeah that was the last time she came I hope I can bring her like we'll see like maybe like hopefully next year or something because this year is a little tumultuous with coronavirus and stuff but next year I hope she can visit yeah but it's it's been some time yeah, so just going back to mm -hmm. some of your childhood, like you you left Venezuela when you were 16 years old, mm -hmm. and that was the last time you were there? You were 16? No, I, I've been back many times. I, I went back many, many times until 2013, which was, gotcha. I was 20, 23. I'm like, how old was I? Like, I think I was like 22 or 23 when I, the last time I went back. But leaving, leaving your home country at 16 years old, that's that's insane to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and so what, where'd you go? Like what, mm -hmm. what happened that, you know, you had to leave at 16 or wanted to leave at 16? Yeah. So I didn't have to leave when I was 16. It was more of a decision because I graduated from high school at 16 in general, like kids in Venezuela graduate from high school at 18. Like, I think it's the same in the U S I'm not sure. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. So when you graduate from from high school, you go straight to university. And then unlike the US, which I think clearly has a great education system, um, in Venezuela, you graduate and you go straight to, to university for five years and you specialize immediately. And so I knew I wanted to travel and see the world, but my family didn't have, like we'd never left Venezuela. Like I'd, I'd never like been abroad. So I didn't know what it was like. And I was like, well, like if I could do anything, I would love to see the world. But you know, how will I do that when we don't have like money, right? To like go travel or like send me abroad, right? So in the process, like this, one of my teachers, when I was telling her about this, so in, in the process of like graduating, I also applied I had to apply to university because that's what you did. So I applied to every possible career and I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, so, you know, from like medicine to law, to philosophy, to whatever, I got applied to everything and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So she asked me, would you be, would you be okay if I told you that there is a program where you could like study abroad for two years and, you know, everything is paid for, but we decide or like the program decides where it sends you, right? Like it could be China or it could be, uh, Burkina Faso or it could be you know like uh, in any place in India or whatever and I was like yeah that's yeah, totally fine I don't care where I go I just want to go somewhere to see the world you know <laughs> um, and so she recommended this program called United World Colleges that is um, like a, a it's a group of international schools with a purpose of bringing together students from all around the world from every like economic and cultural background to study together for two years and uh, graduate with the International Baccalaureate Diploma or the IB. And so anyways, I ended up, she ended up pointing at that program. I applied to the program. I was super like lucky to, to get the opportunity to go. And then they decided to send me to Italy. So like, yeah, by 16, they, you know, I, I said yes to the program da, 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 and they sent me to to this tiny town in the northeast of Italy next to Slovenia called uh, Duino. 
Um, and that's where I spent two years and I studied and I met people. I mean, I made my best friends of my life in that school, like who are still my best friends. And it was like a life changing experience for me. Yeah. That's super fascinating. Like, were you, what, what was your overwhelming emotion leaving at 16? Were you more mm-hmm. excited or more scared? Oh, I was so excited. I was like, I, I liked Venezuela, but I was, I mean, I really loved, but I always felt like, like there was more, you know, like not, not because the country wasn't more, but you know, it's just one culture it's one way of looking at the world. It's a beautiful country, but it has a lot of, like, I never fit in some ways, like, um, you know, it's a very conservative country in many ways. For example, like being homosexual was not okay. Uh, you know, I never met a homosexual kid in my high school, which now in retrospect is ridiculous because of course there were like, and there are many kids who have like right. come out of the closet afterwards, but like it's so conservative. So there were things like that. Uh, that's just one, but there were many things that I felt like, man, like there has to be like something different. And then through model of United Nations, I'd seen like, you hear about all these issues through like different lenses of different countries and I was like hey it would be really cool to like see how other people do it right or leave so I was very excited I, I was just very very happy to like go somewhere else but just just because I really really wanted to do it you know I couldn't I, I can't imagine like what your mom must have thought like having <laughs> sending you off at 16 years old like yeah that's so young you're still a baby you fly halfway around the world and i've been to italy i've never heard of Duino yeah. before yeah. and um <laughs> did you have a like a host family or where did you stay oh did yeah you, you, yeah it was i have to say it was very protected so it's not I'd say it was like a boarding school where you had like a room and they were responsible for you. You had insurance, you had food, you had, you know, like you had a dining hall. And so these these are schools that are like very well equipped. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was not, I think overall it's the best place to send your 16 year old son or daughter, you know, because it's very protected. But I mean, in retrospect, to be fair, like, and knowing that my mom, my mom doesn't speak English either, you know, so like how she can't Google the school and like really know that it's real, right? Like, I don't know, I feel like if right. I <laughs> like if I were a mom, like I, now that I'm probably closer to like being a mom than not being a mom, you know, like age-wise, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe she let me go. <laughs> that's right. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like a huge leap of faith. Like 16 years old in the States, you're you're maybe just getting your license. I don't know what the laws are these days, but when yeah. I was 16, I was barely allowed to drive, you know? Yeah. All I was really worried about was, you know, sports and hanging out with friends and stuff like that. And yeah. and then just being taken away from everything I've, I've yeah. ever known, never leaving the country. I, that's that's just like huge, yeah. huge shock to the system, I have to imagine. No, and, and, and there were students that, I mean, there, there definitely were people who who couldn't handle it and like had to leave the school. Like I went to, I in my year, there was another Venezuelan girl that, that got the scholarship and she couldn't finish the first year. She had to leave because she got very, you know, like depressed. She missed her family a lot. And like, it yeah. was not what she was expecting. So, I mean, it's not for everybody for sure. 
I think it really it really depends on yourself and like what you what you need at that point of your life, right? Yeah. So you were in Italy for two years and then you said you were in France. Did that happen? Did France happen right after you were in Italy or what, oh, no. where <laughs> what did you do in France? No, so after I graduated from Italy, like I thought I was gonna go back to Venezuela, but I got lucky enough to like get a scholarship to come study college in the US. And I came here and then my on my junior year. You went year to Kenyan college, college, right? Yeah, I went to Kenyan College, which my mom still doesn't know how to pronounce. She says it's the Kenya College, like the country. <laughs> I'm like, no. How did you find find Kenyan College? Like, what what was yeah. the link there, and why did you choose it? So, there, this very because that's like a like a super small like lib, liberal arts. Is it women? I'm, is it women's only? No, no, it's it's mixed. But I'd never heard of it before, okay. actually. Like, I didn't know. Uh, I, but the thing is, I was, so I clearly was not like Harvard material because uh, <laughs> my grades, I mean, I, I didn't even speak English by the time I went to, to Italy to the school and the school was in English. So like my grades were normal, but they were not like incredible. Like there were so many liberal arts universities in the US and all of them literally like, they were like, I just couldn't tell what was the difference between them. Like they would look the same to me. So we would get those universities came to visit our high school and to give talks about like how cool they were and like inter to interview prospective students. And so I was running around the town like jog jogging when when a bunch of people were outside of a building. And then I was like, what's happening? And they were like, oh, Oberlin Canyon and Denison or something are like giving a talk. And I'm like, what's that? And they were like, oh, our universities. And like I came into the building because I was like interested. And the the lady from Kenyan, she said that there was a Venezuelan politician who had gone to Kenyan. Um, because his <laughs> so name funny. was like, Leop yeah, it's like Leopoldo Lopez, which is a, a politician that is very famous from the opposition in Venezuela. Even nowadays, he's, he's very famous. And and I was like, oh, my God, Leopoldo Lopez went to Kenya. Like, that's great. And I that was literally that's the only for thing. Me. Yeah, like, that's the only the only thing that attracted me to Kenya, um, which is so silly. But I, I talked to the woman and, and what sealed the deal for me into applying was that she she I didn't schedule an interview and she was completely booked. And the lady was like, OK, if you want to interview, OK, I have a train that leaves to Venice tomorrow, but I'm going to change my train ticket to interview you. And I was like, that's so nice. Like, you shouldn't do that. But that's so great that you're doing this for me. <laughs> and that was the second reason that I was like, I think I'm applying to Kenya. It sounds like really good people. <laughs> was that the only school you applied yeah. to? And did you ever no. go visit the uh -huh. campus for no. enrolling? No, no, I, I had never been to the U.S. I didn't even have a visa like for the U.S. I applied to like six universities and I already forgot which ones they were. I honestly, I think my top one was Brown and I didn't get in. Yeah. And I got into Kenyan early. I did early admissions. I remember now for Kenyan and I got in. Yeah. And I just, you know, they gave me a scholarship. So I just, you know, I, I did that with them and then I withdrew my applications and then, you know, people, I saw people's panic in their face when they were like, do you know where Kenyon is? That's in Ohio. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, have you ever been to Ohio? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> Did you but, like it? Uh, I, lo I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> but anyways, nice. I went on my junior year, I went abroad to France. I studied abroad in France. So gotcha. that's right. You know, long loop, but like, that's how I went to France. Bring it back around to France. Nice yes, job. I, I like that. <laughs> In, in in Paris? Yeah, it was in Paris, which 
I also didn't love as a city. I think I mean it's I think it's a beautiful city, but I was like it was really hard to make friends in in France in Paris particularly. So it was okay. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie Dumb and Dumber? No, but I've heard about it. I think I've heard about it. Oh my God, Marcelo, you got to see it. Uh, I grew up on it. It's such a funny movie, and uh, there's a line that actually just popped in my head from it. I'll tell you where. Some place warm. A place where the beer flows like wine. Where beautiful women instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. I'm talking about a little place called Aspen. I don't know, Lloyd. The French are assholes. I don't want to, because I know there is a stereotype, and I'm like, I don't want to, like, play into this stereotype. Like, I've met some French people that are nice. <laughs> but, like, no, but it was, I think, I mean, Paris to me was really rough, because definitely, like, I went to a, I went to a French university, and, and you were speaking French the whole time. And, of course, my French was, like, very rough, you know? So... Um, so I think that was like a factor why it was harder to like communicate with people. But also I think they're used to people coming and going so much that they are just like, I'm not going to give you my time right. unless like, you know, unless I know you're sticking. So like once you say like, oh, I'm studying abroad for like seven months here, they're like, okay, well, I'm not giving you my time. <laughs> that's an interesting observation. I think that's, that's what it felt to me. Yeah. So do you speak all these languages? Like you got English under your belt because you learned it for the first time in a university setting, you know, you go to America and then to France, like, are you trilingual? So I definitely speak Spanish. I speak English for sure, that one I know. And then my third one, I'd say like in confidence would be Italian because I lived in Italy for two years and it's so similar to Spanish, right? And then French is there. And I just went to France um, a year and a half ago, like before coronavirus. And it, the French was okay, but I think that they get very, it's very rusty. Like you need to like practice a lot. So I think, I hope like when, once we get in person, I, I heard there are a couple of people who also want to practice French in, in the program, which like, by the way, if you're listening to this, let me know so we can like go to French coffees or something <laughs> and practice. Yes, that'd be nice. When you finished up at, at Kenyan, how long did it take you to get to Georgetown and just walk me through, you know, some of your work experience? I know you were involved in, in politics and, and how'd you find Georgetown? Yeah, so um, so when, when I graduated, I guess I graduated from Kenyan. I didn't have a job, so I, but I had, as an immigrant, you have like the option to work in the U.S. if you'd like for a year, but you have to get a job within like two months of graduation. So I, in panic, I moved to D.C. because I was like, well, I studied politics. So if I find something, it has to be in D.C. probably, right? So I moved to D.C. and that's when I got involved with the Venezuelan opposition in D.C. I, I was doing a, like, because I didn't have anything to do because I was looking for a job, I started just like writing a blog about like Venezuelan in D.C. or something. And I started meeting many of them and like writing about them just to do something basically. And that's how I got involved with them. And, and then they offered me a, like an internship and then they offered me a job. And that's how I got my first job after Kenyan. Then I worked with them for like three years and then, or no, actually two years and a half or so. And then after that, like a friend of mine offered me to work with her at the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2012. And I have to say, like, what was it? No, that was Obama. Sorry, <laughs> the, the the Hillary one. When was Hillary? Not the latest Hillary, but the one before. Six, oh, was it six? Oh my god, it was sixteen. Oh my god, 
that's crazy. <laughs> Anyways, into 2016, yeah, the one she lost. I Wait, so you were on Obama's. You you were on Obama's campaign mm-hmm. in 12, and no, for in, the in Hillary campaign. Or- no, no, I I didn't. Like, I volunteered for, like, registering voters in college and stuff, but I didn't really work in a campaign. But then for Hillary, I, I worked uh, in the campaign for, like, a couple of months as a break from my job. Like, I took, like, a sabbatical from my job sort of thing. Not a sabbatical, but, like, a break. And I was um, doing that with them. Uh, it was more like a volunteer, but, like, a full-time volunteer. You know, they call them fellowships, but it's basically, like, a volunteer. And... I don't know. I always loved political campaigns and I thought they were great for in preparation for Venezuela, right? Because I wanted to do politics in Venezuela. I particularly would have loved to run for office in Venezuela, you know, like, you know, like a local office. Like that was like my goal. And I was like, oh, it's so great. If you know campaigns, if you know how like the best countries in the world, they like, carry out their campaigns, then it's great to know for when you do a campaign, a campaign right. in Venezuela, right? So that was like the, the goal of the thing. So I, I also, also in France, I participated with a political campaign for like a, the, the one who was president in that time that they were going through elections. They also lost, by the way. So anyways, but what I want to say is like, it didn't come. I mean, of course, like I liked Hillary, but I honestly like, it was more like if Bernie had offered me a campaign, I don't love Bernie particularly, but yeah, it was more about learning from a campaign than actually like supporting a particular politician. That's what I'm trying to say. Like the same with like the campaign that I supported in France was from the right wing party, not like the extreme right wing, but like the right wing, you know, and I learned a lot and I didn't care that it was, you know, it, so it was not about like a party. It was more about like the tools. And then after the campaigns, you were at the international bank or where, yeah. where so, you after the campaigns? Yeah. So after all that, like, so that's so around 2014 and 2015 is when the Venezuelan opposition like broke, started breaking down and went into like a really, really bad down spiral. Like it was really they broke the, the alliances between the opposition broke. And so it was a time when I just sort of like was like, man, like I need a break from Venezuela, <laughs> like from the whole Venezuelan politics and, and everything. And so I. I had been applying for jobs. I applied for some time for jobs at the Inter-American Development Bank. And I, it was like my dream job, right? Because you got to work more in like development projects in Latin America. So I was like, oh, that would be so amazing and blah. Luckily, right after the campaign, like a month or so after, I got a few interviews there. And then I got a job working there. And that's where I stayed for like four years before coming to, to Georgetown. And, and that was in D.C., right? Yeah. yeah, all of that was in D.C., yeah. Yeah, so you're a you're a DC vet. I know. Yeah, I've actually been. Yeah, I've been a long time. Like my only hiccup was that Hillary campaign, which was in South Carolina for like a couple of months. So finding finding Georgetown was pretty easy. Oh yeah, exactly. So I found Georgetown one day when I like went walking to the Keybridge and I saw Georgetown. (laughs) (laughs) It's right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, I have many friends who went to Georgetown. Like I met many people in DC that had gone to Georgetown or were going to Georgetown. And then that's when I when, when I started paying attention. I mean, I, I guess, you know, it's it's a great university and I started paying attention to to it. But yeah, that's that's how. <laughs> Did you apply anywhere else or, or you knew that Georgetown was kind of where you wanted to be? Oh, no. I mean, I applied, <laughs> I applied to four university to, to four MBA programs. I applied to um, to Sloan at MIT. I applied to Stanford. I applied to Berkeley and to Georgetown. Excellent schools. 
yeah yeah i know i mean i was kind of having a panic attack when like when i didn't get into the first three <laughs> and i was like oh my god i should have applied to a safety school <laughs> i was like that's so stupid but anyways like luckily i got into georgetown but i was i was having like a panic because i thought i don't know what i was thinking but anyways <laughs> yeah i mean i kind of understand that but your life is fascinating to me and I think I think you applied to the schools that you were supposed to apply to and you yeah. know you ended up where you were supposed to be. So Yeah, I think yeah, I think for me it was also like I like I just want to apply to the school. Like I don't want to apply to a school just because like like I don't want to go to a to a whatever MBA. You know, like I don't want to go to one where like I'll feel like like a safety MBA, like why would it would I even pay for that? You know, like I think right. that was now that I think about it, that was like the mindset. It's like, well, I could advance my career in many ways. Like a safety MBA, I would rather go to a really good public policy school than like a safety MBA, for example. You know, like yeah, when I was an undergrad, I took the LSATs to get into law school, and I mm -hmm. didn't do as well as I wanted to. Those entrance exams are like you know the holy grail. You yeah. have to do well to get in on this to to get into the school you want to go to. And I didn't get the score I wanted, and I knew that I wouldn't be able to get into a good school. And similarly, just to get a law degree doesn't make sense to to go to a crappy school, in my opinion. And that whole process made me realize that law school wasn't really quite for me. Yeah, that's. I think that's great. I mean, and again, it's not like I, I don't want to be unfair. Like, of course, there are like many universities that are incredible that are not like initially as inspiring or whatever like i think in the u.s most compared to the rest of the world like most universities are incredible but yeah i guess to me it's like the whole like inspiration right it's like i don't know it's like what what inspires you or not and and if you have like and if you have other options or not if you don't have any other option great like do safety or do whatever but if you have other options and you can explore them then do it you know like i don't know <laughs> And and Georgetown's lucky to have you because you've taken on a bunch of leadership roles and you know, let's see you're you're on the SGA board as VP of International uh, you're a board member of the Latin American Business Association uh, you're in Business for Impact Entrepreneurship I mean I could go on and on but I mean that's that's an impressive list of things you're involved in and I was just curious how how, how do you balance all that and where do you see the next year going for you during the your time in the program yeah no i mean that's a good question i think i tried i actually tried to like not take as much as i thought i wanted to take so originally i was like oh i want to take a leadership role in like the entrepreneurship and VC club but in reality like because i really love entrepreneurship and and the kind of people who are involved in all those things but in reality like i was not even getting involved with the club itself so I was like, you know, no, like I clearly don't have enough time for all these things. So I think for me, I what I want to do. So we're in the in the right now planning. It's been it's been tough because, as you know, like the MBA is just a lot of work. But we are in the moment of planning a few events for like um internet, you know, related to like international students VP position, and I'm creating a proposal that I'm not gonna like talk a lot about it right now, but it's like a a financing alternatives proposal that I'm actually working on this week um, to finalize. And I think what I want to do honestly is just like focus on those things and advance them. And then in my personal life, I want to become more involved with the entrepreneurship club just because I know I love everything that has to do with with that and with 
startups and I have many ideas for startups and I want to join similar projects and things like that. Just finished the, the Startup Factory class and found it fascinating. I really loved all the people who, who took that class. So I think personally, I want to continue getting more involved in the things that I already committed to and, and, and do a good work in those things rather than like doing more, you know? Oh, and I guess sure. one that I forgot to mention, I also want to get more involved with the, with the Explorers Club because I love, for example, rock climbing and cycling and all outdoors things. So that's been hard because of coronavirus, but I think as people get vaccinated next semester, that's one thing that I would love to get to know, meet people through that. I also want to ask you first, while we're on the topic of kind of business yeah. school and careers, um, so with your interest in entrepreneurship, are you recruiting for, you know, typical MBA internships or are you starting your own company mm -hmm. or what, what's, what's cooking for yeah. you career wise? Yeah. So, I mean, if I could do anything in the world, like, like if I didn't have any constraints, like economic or whatever, <laughs> or immigration or whatever, I would probably love to launch my own startup and to just go through that journey or join someone else's startup in the, a founding team or something like that. But my reality is that, like, I mean, in my case, like I send money to my family in Venezuela. I have an unstable immigration status because I'm under a student immigration status in the U.S. So because of those things, I cannot pursue realistically the startup journey yet. But anyways, so what I what I want to do right now is I want to shift. I, as, I, as I said before, I was working in the international development and politics for many, many years. So now I want to shift industries and get more involved into technology for impact. So I recruited for tech for not many, but like some tech companies and ended up choosing to go with Microsoft this semester. Awesome. Oh, sorry, this summer. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be working with the um, cloud team. And I'm like, I'm actually in the, in the, this week also peeking amongst like different projects that they gave us alternatives. And I don't know which one they're going to decide, but they asked me for my input. And some of them are really cool because like some have to do, for example, with like automation in robotics, you know, like sort of thinking what types of applications could exist for that particular technology. So for me, like how I see my role is trying to figure out applications that are useful, not only to like make money, but actually to like do something good. <laughs> For the world like oh how can we use it maybe to like reduce the amount of like energy um you know like fuel used or electricity used uh for certain production so we like have less carbon emissions and like whatever you know like you think creatively yeah. about all those things and the applications of technology so i would love to like if i could carve my role within like in this case microsoft like i think that would i would love for that to be the role but anyways we'll see it's gonna be just an internship so we'll see what happen with happens with that but for now i think like that's the path that will also like sort of expose me to like different kind of, of problems in that industry that could then give me ideas for like, you know, if one day you want to become an entrepreneur, what kind of solution do you want to bring right to that, to that industry? That's, that's super interesting. And I think you would have liked the ILE I took AI analytics in the future of work. So oh, nice. yeah, tied into our class. Um, it was fascinating. Um, so that's super cool that you, seemingly are going to get to work on that this summer. And how do we get you to, cool, how do we get you to be a U.S. citizen so you can make all your entrepreneurship <laughs> true? Cause well, that's the thing. I mean, the funny thing is like, you know, like I, I'm open to that. And just as when I like left Venezuela at the beginning, like I'm open to like anything, you know, it's like, like, like when I right. left and she was like, Oh, if I could put you anywhere in the world, like, 
but you know would you go and it's like I feel similar of course now we have like some realistic like logistics that is like well I have a boyfriend who lives in the U.S. and like blah blah so like I mean there are more layers than when I was like 16 but um but I I feel but I feel it gets a little more complicated exactly but but at the same time I feel similar that it's like well I mean if it's if it works out in the U.S. that's awesome if it doesn't you know, Europe is beautiful. I mean, there are other places. So hopefully, like the having a, the MBA would would give you that. Like, I look at it as a as a second passport. You know, like the Venezuelan passport, which by the way expired last this year, and it's a mess to renew it. Um, my, like that second yeah. passport is like is the education, right? But the cool thing though is, I mean, besides that, like realistically, like tech, the tech industry is great at sponsoring green cards actually, um, for like MBA levels. So the hope is like at least that stability could come from Microsoft if they end up offering me like a full-time job or something. But if not, we'll see. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you get used to it. It's like, we'll see. It sounds like, yeah, no kidding. Like, I mean, I feel like like <laughs> your life, you've had to trust yourself, you know, like that, you know, go into a foreign country, everything will work out um, multiple yeah. times, leaving your family. Like that not only shows trust, but, but I think strength inner strength and mental toughness that you know that everything's gonna work out i mean yes there is some trust but also i think that it coming back in in like a circle to the beginning of the the first things that we were talking about that were um you know how i grew up and all these things in like i think a lot of this like being okay with whatever is going to happen and figuring it out comes from like that moving a lot with my mother when i was a kid because like you always had to like it always had to work out you always ended up finding friends even if it was hard at the beginning and whatever like it's something that that you that was ingrained of me since i was a baby like or a kid that we were like moving in all these different towns and things but it's just like you figure it out and at some point you'll create a community and you'll make friends and it's gonna be great so i think it's sort of like full circle coming now to like where i am right now it's like well you know whatever happens like i know that with the education i'm gonna get and like the experience that i've had so far i have the trust that whether in the united states or wherever it it happens things are gonna work out and i'm gonna make friends and it's you know so sort of like the same that's what what i think about when i think about that flexibility or whatever to like be open to to what happened marcella you know that's such an evolved approach like i like i couldn't imagine if i if my mom like made me move all the time and get different friends i'd be i'd be fucking pissed like what are you doing mom like come on pick a spot let's go uh i got some developing to do like if you could pick one one thing or two things like help shape you like what what would you'd kind of highlight and pick out that that like experience of like leaving like at 16 and going to this school and like going completely out of your comfort zone just like um it changed my life like 100% like i i often like go back in my head and think like how different my life would have been if i didn't do that you know if i didn't get that scholarship if i didn't get that opportunity because like i changed completely as a person I mean of course like part of me is exactly the same but like many parts like many I I used to be like religious or not not like extremely religious but like I used to believe in 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 have a different set of values and beliefs you know and I think all of them like as I like left and then in this school got to me like people 
from like all these different cultures who had all these different beliefs because like they were people from all around the world in this like tiny school a lot of like yeah i don't know like i just grew and changed as a person and then not only that but like physically like mean like literally like my the, the world of opportunities open so i could go to college i could like pursue my own interests and like I, i became like an ambitious person you know from like being someone that was more like you know whatever life brings to me is okay to like you know like or like i just want to explore the world but then i'm gonna come back here and like follow whatever path is set out for me you know Like, I became someone who's like, oh, no, I believe I can have, like, an actual impact in the world. You know, like, I don't know. I feel like just that experience really, like, changed my life completely. And and I think, I guess, how can I... The most important thing from that experience was, like, realizing your potential. You know, it's like, I didn't know the things that I could do. And then by, by doing that when I was 16, especially because I think that's a very malleable age, And I think that's why this program is for people who are that age. You just realize like, oh my God, like I could learn English. I could do this. I could accomplish all, you know, and, and you just like realize that like, yeah, it gives you confidence and like, again, makes you realize like all the things that you're capable of doing, right? You, you really think like nothing is impossible and maybe many things are, but like also you can do so much, right? So anyways, I think if I could highlight anything, I think that's a very important one. And I think it comes from from getting out of your comfort like beyond traveling but traveling is a great one i think it's just getting out of your comfort zone or pushing yourself to get out of your comfort zone like that's very important because of that right yeah no that i mean it's it's super insightful and it like it is powerful because it's not every day that you come across someone that left their home not just their home but their country at age 16 and had to pretty much figure everything out for themselves. <laughs> I mean, you know, with your family on the other side of the world, it's, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty unique. And um, how you've kind of grown from that and are in a position to lead on a big stage is, you know, hats off to you. That's, that's excellent. Thank you. I also, I hope we can hear your story one day. That'd be really cool. <laughs> I'm thrilled we had a chance to chat and, um, you know, help you share share your experiences because who knows? I mean, people out there hopefully resonate with it and, um, you know, they can, they can gain strength and confidence from you. I think we'll all appreciate hearing this and learning more about you, Marcella. So thanks for sharing everything and uh, spending some time with us. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Bye.